Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue en America. I'm Suzanne Hi, this is Suzanne Lasser, and today on Bilingual in America, I have the privilege of speaking with Enrique Moras. He founded the company Syncretic Press. Enrique was born in Uruguay, and at the age of 16, he left Uruguay to come to the United States. He lived here for a while, then lived in Spain, and then settled back here in the United States in the year 2000. Syncretic Press is an independent publisher of children's books. They partner with great authors and illustrators from around the world, with a special emphasis on works created in Spanish-speaking countries. Enrique, welcome to Bilingual in America. I'm so excited to speak with you today and have our listeners learn a little bit more about what you do and how you contribute to this world of bilingualism that we are fascinated by. Tell us, how did you, Enrique, become so involved with publishing and this idea that there's added value in using authentic texts to those who speak more than one language? All right, well, hello, Suzanne, and hello to your audience. Thank you, thank you for having me. How I got involved? Well, um, I'm originally from Uruguay. I uh, came here to the United States in the year 2000. And I think as, as many uh, foreigners that come here, you, you always recognize the, the need for bringing uh, new perspectives, right? To, in this case, right, for this, to the storytelling that you find in, in libraries and, and bookstores. So what, uh, what acted as a trigger for me was, was that need. When it comes to children literature in, in Spanish, which is what we do uh, for the most part, you can find a lot of uh, translations out there, um, but translations don't really, um, I think, represent the diversity of perspectives, right? The diversity of talents and points of view about the world, about the, the, a child's points of view. That uh, that you see when we work with when you work with with authors and illustrators from from other places, and that I must say, trust tense, it goes beyond Latin America. Could apply to points of view from from other cultures. We have experienced that uh, in terms of at times working with authors and illustrators. From one title comes to mind from this author from Faroe Islands, and uh, he brings this you know north of the Atlantic island perspective on loss, right? which is uh, phenomenal. So I think anything that brings different perspectives and points of view makes, makes this journey exciting and, and something worth doing. So interesting that you're talking about that because I would, I'd love to hear from you about, you know, how books really help readers, right? Especially as you talk about these young readers develop a sense of self and their identity. And how do you feel you play a role in this important work? I, at times, uh, see independent publishers like like us as i imagine like a small bridge right uh, made of cobblestone and uh, we're just one of those stones right <laughs> the bridge that connects literature interesting storytelling to young readers i think it's been now for a while but it certainly continues to be a need to write books and stories for children that respects them as uh, very intelligent readers 
we we like stories that are not constantly lecturing on morals for the children, right? Uh, literature that generate more questions than answers to the reader. Uh, that's what moves us. And that is what we realize in the marketplace is it's very difficult to find at times. And what we hear from from teachers and, and readers and uh, you know libraries that purchase our books, that uh, is what they appreciate. Those stories that are are not treating the kid as, as somebody that needs to be receive a lecture on how to behave all the time, or you know, how to you know be uh, you know share whatever it is, or, or or have this type of moral rule. We we try to stay away from that, and I think uh, I think it is important that uh, the publishers look into those stories that are many times they are not a sure thing when it comes to the marketplace, right? Is those kind of stories that at times could be more challenging to to find the right market, to talk with the parents, make sure that they feel comfortable that they're behind those kind of stories. So you have to be willing to take some risks. And so we see us, as, as I mentioned, just one one more step into that direction, one, one extra stone in that bridge that hopefully will connect great literature to young readers. So I really love how you're saying this idea of bringing multifaceted perspectives, right? whether it's on the idea of loss or just on sense of self and the idea of taking risks. We, we need to take risks more because that is how innovation takes place and safe doesn't lead to great. And uh, <laughs> that is also true, I think, in terms of books. So we're glad to have publishing houses like yourselves and Credit Press who don't have limitations that others may and are willing to put themselves out there for what can be great. And what we know, like you said, that children can really handle. They are ready for it. We sometimes as adults are the ones who are more fearful and less confident that the children can do it. Yes, there is some of that. And it's interesting how besides it transcends not only to not only to literature, right? You can find it in, in filmmaking, right? I I always think Walter Benjamin had this thing. In one part, he mentions how it is important not to say everything. The importance of the silence to let the reader or let the viewer take his or her own path in interpreting what is going on, right? And without giving an answer, without really looking for a specific outcome, right? And it is in many facets, as I mentioned, you find it in, in, in filmmaking as well. I think uh, there's that fear of, of the silence, of letting the, the viewer or the reader, you know, choose or not choose. We don't need to make a decision, right, at all times. Maybe it's like when on a painting, you decide when you finish the painting or not, right? You decide what part of, of the canvas is going to move your heart. And you may decide that the rest of the canvas is absolutely irrelevant to you or not. And the painter had a different view. But the artist that created, once it's on paper, that part of the text is done. The rest is on the reader. And the readers, you know, I am so glad that is, there are so many and they're so diverse and each one of them are gonna bring their own background to it. And they're gonna start and finish the story however they want. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's exciting. So let's talk about some creative things. You know, as I had a chance to look over your website in preparation for our talk today, I noticed that you have a book club and I'd like to know a little bit more about that and, and any other collaborations that you have with, let's say not-for-profits mm -hmm. in the area of literacy. Sure, we publish uh, you know, a very curated collection 
we believe in books that are going to last a long time. And not only the story has to be good, but also the actual book, the object. That makes us, pushes us to, to print hardcover. And hardcover production uh, is more expensive, right, to produce. So in our mission, aside from the, the production of a good story in a good, in a good medium, right, the hardcover book, it is important for us that the books uh, get to the hands of everybody. Uh, and we are very aware that some families will have disposable income to buy, you know, as many books as they want, and some others may not, and certainly these times, right? So the book club is one of those areas that helps us make our books available at a discounted price to, to a large community. The book club is something that teachers can enroll for free uh, on our website. Participating in that book club gives that teacher a, a specific uh, identification number that they can share with their community, students, neighbors, you name it. And by using that code, they receive a deep discount, right? 30% discount and, and, and free shipping on anything they buy. And then, you know, we give a gift to the teacher as well. So it was a way for us to make sure that uh, schools in low to moderate income environments, right, would benefit. And, and, and we feel all right about not only benefiting the, the students in that case, the families of the students that can purchase the book at, in, at a reduced rate, but also helping out the teacher uh, with their classroom. Since, you know, for every five books that are purchased, we donate books for her over him. So that's the way that, uh, that we conceive the Spanish book club. And uh, yeah, it's exciting that uh, a lot of people are, are taking, taking advantage of it. Uh, something that we did recently also to help out was um, start uploading uh, read alouds of our titles to our YouTube channel. In these days, we, you know, we were asked many times if, uh, you know, for authorization for read alouds, right, of our mm-hmm. books, and which we always do. But witnessing some of those read alouds, we realized that it was very challenging to make a video of somebody reading a book somehow exciting for a five-year-old, right? Where you are constantly exposed, the kids are constantly exposed to really terrific graphics and uh, dynamics on the screen that, you know, just uh, uh, somebody reading a book is, is difficult to cut it. So what we did is uh, we hire a actors and actresses from, from South America that really project and interpret the books. And so we do some editing on the read aloud. And, and so it ends up being a more dynamic reading experience. And it, it was really through the book club that we, that we conceived this. Okay, this is an extra, excellent complement, right? For, for folks that, that are participating in the, in the book club and you know, they can go to the YouTube channel and kind of see that. So that's one, one leg of our, our concern in terms of making sure that we are, our books are getting to segments of the population that uh, perhaps are not, are not uh, going out there and just getting books. The other is the partnership with nonprofits. And this is something that we are working you know, progressively. We, we have conversations with several nonprofits. With some of them, we have already done um, work with United Way, uh, Parent Plus Child. Basically, in this case, we give them the, our books at cost and we assist them on yeah, whatever, whatever it is that they need logistically, right? From either sending the books directly to the families if it is necessary or just delivering the books directly to them. We assist them with, obviously with, in terms of what are the most appropriate content depending on the population that they are trying to help with, read alouds, and obviously we make all the, all the video um, read alouds that we have on our YouTube channel available to these organizations as well. It blows my mind, really, the need that they have, the work that they do, 
and it is exciting to see their reaction in part because something that uh, that we sense with organizations that work on literacy is that they receive a lot of books and sometimes the books are interpreted as uh, as if any book is all right and any book is not all right a bad book can push a, ch a child away from literature forever and that's independent of you know certainly not everybody's going to like the same book everybody's going to have different different flavors right for different kind of storytelling and so forth but i think there is it, it is important that uh, when when these organizations that donate thousands and thousands of books um, that there is that they are mindful of the kind of book that they are donating and i think that's something they they appreciate they they're excited with the books that we we share with them because of the storytelling because they are they are new books and and you know they will be enjoyed by the family and friends of the family and many generations but i love the fact that they are aware of that quality which i think it is important because uh, in many occasions uh, yeah it's um, it's too much a concern of reaching a certain volume uh, of uh, volume of books you know we donated 100,000 which is that to me is is not um, is something that could be deceiving, right? And and at some point in time, it's not about like with any other item that we consume. Uh, it's it's not about having 25 books, right? Uh, it, it's about having good books and devoting the time to to share that story and and get deep into the story. And that's I think is what really can make uh, you know generate great new readers in the future. Right, if that experience is, is worthwhile. And it happens with many things, right? Um, yeah. I always remember ex your first experience with theater or your first experience with, with opera or with music, right? The moment that you saw that live concert and you saw, you saw the guy with the guitar, right? And you saw their sweat and you saw the energy that was just exploding from the, from the scenario, right? And so you're hooked. You're hooked for life, right? You see, you know, a ballet dancer and, and, and they do a certain move that is just, you're just completely blown away. And then all of a sudden you're interested, right? And you start follow dance in a, in a different way. Well, literature is the same, right? You put out a great book that they're just fascinated by the illustration. They're fascinated with the ending of that book or, you know, some of the characters. And then you want more. Uh, is the yeah. complete opposite. If you're exposed to some something that is absolutely flat, with poor illustrations that say nothing, uh, you're gonna you're gonna think it twice. If uh, somebody tells you, "Hey, I have a new book for you," mm, I don't know. <laughs> I maybe want to watch another series then. Uh, so uh, to me, those are details that folks have to be careful with, and I'm glad to see that some of the nonprofits are 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 very careful with that. Yeah, metrics are important, right? How are you measuring the value of what you're doing? Like you said, not just the quantity of books, but it's the quality and how is the recipient experiencing that and benefiting from it? Because it's great to do this act, but if it's not really giving the benefit of exposing children to literature and a joy in books, then you can give a million books. But if, like you said, it's not going to develop that love, that passion, that interest, and uh, keep you going. So as you're Absolutely. talking, it reminds me, you know, as when I was a young reader, I, it wasn't my favorite thing to do. And until I found an author that I really enjoyed, then I went to that author and read all of his books. 
that was how I was. I would find an author, I'd read everything by that author. And even if it was within different genres, it didn't matter, I liked his style. And until I became older and found the other ways to you know, interact, but you're so right, uh, especially for a young reader, it, it has to be alive, they have to connect. And I think the fact that you provide access to books in, in both more than one language, that that's really important to develop a love and just providing access because we often think about sending books home with children. But if they're not age appropriate, if they can't see themselves in the pictures, in the content of the stories or through the words that they're hearing, right, as they're reading it, the connection is not going to be the same and they're not going to Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and and it's interesting how um, staying with the work that uh, many nonprofits uh, focus on literacy do. I love the focus on the parents as well. I think is uh, is necessary. They are they are the conduits for making um, you know making that experience that the kid will have reading it themselves or by you know um, reading the book to the child. Some of that education, I think, is essential. The parents have to have to be a part of it. Ideally, there's going to be scenarios. Unfortunately, that may, it may not happen. But it's great that uh, nonprofits are sensitive to that that element as well. Thinking about books, Spanish is my second language, right? And so I I have found so much joy in reading books that are in Spanish, like books like Cajas de Cartón, and most recently I read El Largo Petalo del Mar, right? And so, what is on you know your bookshelf right now? What's exciting you this spring in terms of literature and what else do you want to share with our listeners? To, to yeah, sure. Excited? Well, thank you for the opportunity, actually, because <clears throat> we are in this business because we, because we get excited about books, right? Absolutely. Um, so one title that we are very excited about is um, it's called Mas Allá, and we have it uh, in English and in Spanish. The English version is called Hereafter. This is from a Spanish author and uh, an illustrator from Catalonia. Mas Allá is a, is a very short story. Hereafter, since we're, since we're doing this in English. Hereafter t- tells the, the story about this group of animals in a circus, and, um, and they all risk their lives in, in the different acts that they do. The, the book goes um, basically doing one page where they show all the animals in a tight rope, and one of the animals is falling, right? Supposedly to their death. So you can you only see them falling, one in particular. And in the next page, you can see the vision of that animal about the hereafter. So without naming the different religions, um, you see certainly images that could coincide more with a, with a Christian religion, with a Christian Mexican perspective of the, of the, of the hereafter, uh, Muslim, Native American, Asian, Egyptian. And so it's one page with the animals and one falling, the next page with the hereafter vision of the animal that just fell. The next page, you're again, another animal is falling and they keep falling, right? And in each page, it's, uh, there's less and less animals on the tightrope and they are walking you through the vision of the hereafter of each one of the animals that fell. And it ends with a, with a twist, uh, certainly you, you through the story, you may suspect that the animals are dying, are falling to the death, but uh, they show up all bruised up, right? But looking at the reader and, and asking, so what do you think? Mm. Ending with a question is, is a soft spot for us. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it's a, yeah, it's a story that uh, just 
generates a lot of great conversations, right, with children in terms of their perspective, right, and, and the diversity of perspectives on, uh, on a subject that uh, at the end of the day, we don't know and, you know, and at the same time, different faiths will know different, different ways, right, of what that hereafter may look like. So that's one of uh, the, we're, you know, one of the books that we're very, very excited. Another one would be um, Mateo y su Gato Rojo, uh, which was, uh, also has an English version. Noah and his red cat. The reason why I like this book, the illustrations of them by Lucia Prieto are just with pencil, red and black, the whole book. It's a little bit of blue in a couple of pages, but other than that. And this is about this child that uh, receives a uh, blank notebook, sketchbook for art, right? Completely blank. And he draws a, a red cat with a smile. And um, shortly after, when he opens, right, the next morning he opens the book and the cat doesn't have the smile. The cat lost the smile. So the story is about him trying to draw things around the cat to recover the smile. And nothing works, right? Eventually he draws a, a mouse, um, which he thinks at first is a great idea. And then he says, wait a second, I have to clarify not to, for the cat not to eat the mouse <laughs> and so forth. Well, eventually the, the cat recovers the smile, but loses it again. And uh, he keeps pondering what to do. Um, so the final solution he comes up, comes up with is uh, he draws an open window full of stars, right? And the next day, the next morning, he opens the notebook and the notebook is empty. They're gone, both the cat and the mouse. And that's the end. Another of those stories that we find that, that normally ends, the, the normal reaction of the kid is he turns around and, and, and will look at you what like, happened? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the end. Um, of no. <laughs> <laughs> and and just yeah, I think that dialogue is 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 just uh, yeah, it's just terrific. It's exactly what we look for with uh, with stories. So those are two of you know. There's there's certainly um, a lot uh, a lot more, but uh, maybe two that could be interesting for for your audience. <laughs> yeah, and I think so. The the educator in me, right, really speaks to having that question at the end of the book, the opportunity for the turn and talk and, you know, what do you think and this open-ended idea so there is no right or wrong to, to really promote language development and active thinking. So uh, my heart is just so happy right now, right, <laughs> how I would use that in the classroom. And so uh, what I want to say to you, Enrique, and to our listeners is that we encourage, right, everyone to continue to take advantage of reading. No matter how old you are, there's nothing wrong with taking a picture book. You don't always have to choose something that's challenging. Find joy in the books the way that you did as a child. And hopefully that will not leave you like the cat without a smile, right? You'll consistently have a smile. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. We don't, um, with the, our books, I always mention that they are really from, from three to 99. Uh, their books with a lot of art and and certainly enjoyable by you know can be enjoyed by by adults and uh, it is true uh, especially for adults that are, find sometimes a, a challenging time to get to uh, to a book that is you know longer with more text i think these type of books are, are a great way of just smelling the book and uh and just pause right pause and and observe the little text that they have and the the, the phenomenal art that you can find in them Yes. So Enrique, uh, I want to in encourage you 
to continue to speak your beauty. You're using your bilingual talents to provide opportunities into new worlds through literature. And so we encourage our listeners <laughs> to take some time and grab a book this spring. Enrique Moras from Synthetic Press, we thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to checking out some of the titles that you shared and other rich resources on your webpage. Thank you, Susana, and thank you to your audience. As I reflect upon my conversation today with Enrique, I'm struck by the number of partnerships he has established, all in service of providing access to children, access to quality literature, literature that is authentic, that allows them to hear their voice, see their faces, hear their stories. He's working with parents, he's working with teachers, he's working with school districts and not-for-profit organizations. So if you're an educator, check out his webpage, consider partnering with him and joining in on the book club. And if you are just someone who loves a good book, I guarantee you'll be able to find something that'll be to your liking. With the warm weather upon us, there's nothing better than sitting down next to a window with a nice cool breeze enjoying a good book and hey you're never too old to enjoy a picture book until next time continue to speak your beauty thank you for your interest in the stories we share by sharing following and liking our podcast on anchor.fm bilingual in america and our instagram blog at bilingual in america.podcast you are speaking your beauty we welcome your comments and feedback, and we appreciate your support. Follow us, like us, share us. <laughs>